I mean, it must be nice. Have a lake house, yeah. never invite your friends, you know. I wouldn't know. N- neither would I. <laughs> but Dave does. He's going to hear this tomorrow and be very salty. CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 7th. Cavaliers have ripped off four commitments in three days, coming off of the uh, big official visit weekend, last weekend. Um, a nice, I mean, you would, I almost like wanted to say start to the class, though that's not the start of the class, but it feels like, you know, historically, this is the time, you know, June into July, this is when UVA makes hay. Um, you know, Cavaliers don't do a whole lot of heavy lifting, um, you know, in the fall, typically on the recruiting side, but you know, with the portal and everything that changes up with the early signing period, um, you know, this thing's been a little bit of a flux, nice start to June so far for the Cavaliers. Uh, before we get started, let me go around and introduce everybody first in Fishersville board moderator du jour himself. David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty well. Have nothing funny tonight. So it's all-star season. Give your boy a break. Who days on the board at who days on Twitter. Uh, you take that break to the lake. Um, <laughs> in uh, Charlottesville, uh, editor-in-chief Justin Ferrer is also on this year program. How's it going, my dude? It's good. I, uh, I survived a weekend of rowdy ECU baseball fans, and uh, you know, just getting through that was was a chore at times and fun at times, and I'm still here. So at Justin underscore Ferrer on Twitter. <laughs> Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional banging together of flip-flops. Um, yeah, did you leave with both your shoes, Justin? Yeah, yeah, Ferber. Did you did you cake? Did you bring home both of your shoes? Yeah. So the thing is, um, it's not they're not banging the shoes they're wearing. They're bringing in extra shoes, which I, I mean, I don't know if that's better or worse because it's Let's like on the one hand it's like don't take your shoes off in public but at the, on the other yeah. hand i'm like you brought in these flip-flops like i thought he just took them off his feet nope yeah was it wait was there multiples off. of these dudes or was this just yeah was there this... was more than one see like where i was there was an older gentleman that was doing it right in front of us and immediately got into a confrontation with a uva fan who was like no <laughs> like i'm not you're not doing that um and somebody like, need to call osha stat whole, yeah, oh yeah the cops came over oh something. good yeah and then he continued to do it he basically like uh he kind of big time the cop a little bit which was funny um because he was like i can stand up there's no rule against it and the cop was like well you kind of got me there um like, <laughs> but uh yeah and so it just was like animosity throughout the game then obviously more fans got involved kind of chirping and and all the good stuff and then uh you know, they had a lot of like chants, which, you know, they have some very good baseball fans. Like I, I get it. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, yelling random stuff and good times were had by all. I mean, obviously the results went the way that they went. Um, 
but yeah, and uh, at one point he told the cop that came over that the cop was biased towards UVA because he's a local. <laughs> um, I mean, then I found out later that there was a whole other another guy with shoes. So apparently, it's it's a thing. Is that okay? Uh, not to derail the podcast, but what's worse, bringing in an extra pair of shoes to clap them together, or? bringing in a key ring with a thousand keys. On them. Yeah. I had this conversation actually. I yeah, think I figured you did. the keys thing is annoying because a lot of people are doing it. Right. right? Like I think right. that's bad. The cl- the flip flops are loud as hell. Like, um, and you know, I, I get why they do it and he's just standing up every time they got to two strikes or something, he'd be standing up and it's like, all right, man. Like, was he by himself? Did he have any like, bo- there friends? was another guy with him, but that guy was sitting like a normal. That guy person. was that, you know what that guy was mortified. That's what that guy was. He was like, I can't believe you. I can't believe you did this friend. Yeah. And then after the tie into ECU with flip flops. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it just caught on at some point. Um, but yeah. And he also had a hat that said, uh, on the back, it was like a bucket hat, kind of like he was going to a mm-hmm. Jimmy Buffett concert, like one of those. Oh, um, okay. Not like a, not like a, not like a hat you would see in like Jurassic Park or something, but just like a floppy kind of hat. Um, yeah. And it said, uh, it, the letters C U N Omaha, <laughs> but C U N doesn't look like C U N when it's in cursive. Um, so like that was there were a lot of jokes about that. Mm. I'll just leave it right there. Yeah, that's a good place. Um, Glad I feel he's like gonna watch us play there. I was, yeah, thought- I was gonna say like <laughs> we're not gonna see you there, <laughs> but um, also like he was uh, very much gone as soon as the ninth inning ended at the yeah. Third I bet game. You he was didn't, he was he didn't hang around. <laughs> no. Um, well, maybe maybe that's who Nick Parker was really angry with from the dugout after right after he had left the game. He called somebody a you know what coward, um, which I was like, oh hey. Somebody's upset. All right, let's um before we get to baseball, let's talk a little bit uh basketball. Some news this week with uh former associate head coach Ron Sanchez returning to the program in the same role uh, announced on Tuesday. Um nine seasons uh, um on Bennett's staff, the last three as the associate head coach. Um he he was gone during the essentially the he was at Charlotte for 5 years. Um, he was not on staff when they won the national championship. Um, it seems I've always felt kind of bad for Ron in the sense, because he was there for everything else, but, um, including the, the UMBC loss. Uh, and then the, the first season he's gone, they win a championship. Um, and now he's coming back home. Um, step down. He as missed coach the entire of, Kihei Clark era. Wow. That's true. He really did. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was like, nah, man, I don't think I don't think this kid from the way he, he it's like he and Joe Giglio. They both were like, Tony, we don't know what you're doing. Um but anyway, so Tone says in the in the release that um, you know, obviously really excited to get Ron back, mentioned him as an outstanding recruiter, somebody who really connects with student athletes, um, thinks that his experience at Charlotte will enhance what he will bring back to our basketball program. Um how do, what's our reaction to this? I mean, I personally, I'm, I mean, I think Ron's a great guy and I've always uh, enjoyed my conversations with him over the years. Certainly interesting dynamic, not exactly something Tony's unaccustomed to given, um, you know, he sort of has a, I don't know. Can you call it a habit now of doing this where you bring in former head coaches to be assistant coaches again? Um, 
Dave, let's get your initial reactions to Ron Sanchez becoming Virginia's new associate head coach. Hey, yeah. I mean, I think I was, I was super excited. I felt like way more excited than most fans were. Cause I believe I jokingly referred to it back when getter was announced that, you know, when, when, you when his leaving was announced. You did. Yeah. Cause like I'm a big Ron Sanchez fan. I mean, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. You know, I met him several years ago at a VAF social. I always say, if you go to those things, you know, there's always the head coach for one, you know, either basketball or football and then an assistant from the other sport. It's always the assistant for the other sport you should go talk to. Cause most of the people don't know who they are and you can get them. Yeah. You know, I had like a 15 minute conversation with him. Um, he's a great dude. And obviously, you know, you know, he left after the UMBC game, but you know, he was here building every big, every big recruiting class, you know, essentially was built with Ron Sanchez on staff, um, directly related to him. You can't say, but you can't deny the fact he was a part of some of the best, you know, the, the most foundational classes of the Bennett era. So take that. Plus, you know, he, obviously has more experience now um, and made the decision to come back. So it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you think about the NIL era, era we're in now and, you know, it just makes sense that Tony wants someone on the staff he can trust. You know, it's one thing to recruit, but now the, the money conversation is going to come up in recruitment. And I think I'm not putting, yeah, <laughs> I'm just assuming here that, that Tony likes having someone that he is, comfortable with you know when that conversation does take place so yeah i think it's huge for uva i agree and i and i feel like for folks you know who may not i I feel like i talked about this on the podcast uh at either right after the championship or somewhere in the um general vicinity thereafter but i feel like of all the people on the floor that night who were obviously just absolutely stoked i mean ron sanchez probably he, he's one of the folks who stands out in my mind because he just looked he just looked so not just happy but just like it was it wasn't not, it wasn't like euphoria it was just like it was almost like gratitude all over his face like he was just so excited for everybody in front of him to do all the things they were doing for the players for the coaches for the fans for the administration for the you know everybody right he just looked so happy um and it and it always kind of tugged at my heartstrings because like you know, technically speaking, right? He wasn't a part of that team. But we all know because of his, you know, involvement with the program, he absolutely was, you know, woven into the fabric of, you know, who they were. Ferber, what was your your initial thoughts or reactions uh, to the news that, that Ron's coming back? I mean, I was shocked. Like, it came Yeah, because listen, we had heard a lot of different things. To, you know, put some to put some some stuff on the table. We'd heard a lot of different rumblings. And we'd heard names. His was not. This was not a thing that anybody has has been talking. This was not like a this this. I, I my suspicion is this thing happened pretty quick, um, and um, got done really really fast. Like, whatever initial conversations were ha- happened, and then boom boom boom, um, because this was not the names we had heard for that spot since Kyle left for uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean shocked. Um... At first, and then obviously, like as you process it, it makes sense from UVA's perspective, just because 
Tony goes with guys he trusts. Um, Ron was with him at Washington State. He was the only guy that he brought with him, I believe. So um, clearly there's a reason that he did that. And, you know, he stayed on the staff for a long time. And um, I think the job that he got was a job worth taking, you know, when he did leave. Um, A good chance to kind of – a good first job um, for a coach like him. So I know he's he's very well respected, a good recruiter, um, you know, has – obviously knows what UVA is trying to do on the court. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's good to have him back. Like, I don't, um, obviously like, you know, if they promoted from within or something like that would have been fine. And they still, I guess we'll have another opening. Right. Um, but you know, ultimately like it's hard to imagine them going out and getting somebody who's a better fit than this. Um, you know, I, I could say maybe like, and this has nothing to do with Ron Sanchez. Like if you asked, if you had said like when Kyle Getter left, like if they can replace him with Ron Sanchez, would you do that? I would say, yeah. Um, but I, I think some might make the argument that maybe they should have tried to get somebody from the outside and just get a new perspective on things. But ultimately like, you know, that has nothing to do with Ron's abilities and he's a, he's a good coach. He's a good fit. Um, I'm a little confused about it from his perspective um obviously like i'm not talking about like his connection to tony or like the school or anything um but it just seems kind of like a it it seems like a an interesting career move to me um and obviously like the timing is is interesting being it's june um but yeah i mean uva benefits from that right so um i think it's ultimately about as good as they could have done I think a couple things here. One is, you know, Dave's point earlier about sort of the NIL era. I want to I, I want to say a couple things. One is I think he's spot on um, that having somebody with that sort of seat time, not just somebody who has you have a long history with, but somebody who has a lot of experience. I think that's an, an important part of the puzzle. Um, the names we had heard were guys who were connected to you know, the program. So these are not guys that I think Tony would ever have any issues trusting on the trail or anything like that. Specifically though, it's an experience situation, right? I I think the thing about Ron that a lot of people don't really understand is that he had just impeccable international connections. And one of the reasons, you know, one of the, I guess not one of the reasons, one of the things that you heard a lot about with, with Ron was not necessarily just the guys that he, you know, he helped bring, to Charlottesville, you also heard a lot about the guys that like that he kind of just missed on. Um, Angel Delgado uh, is the one that I kind of stood out to me. Yeah, Joel Delgado. Oh man, Delgado, man. But which made me think, like, man, if he had been on staff when he was back in the port, anyway. Um, but the the guy that really stands out to me is Joel Embiid because at the time, I understand that this sounds ridiculous, but at the time, like, they like you talk to people who who around or you know who, who know stuff right or around the thing like Sanchez was was working Jojo for a long time right and that was a guy who you know they felt like maybe they could actually steal um now granted the kid just absolutely blew up before it all happened same thing happened with Sfi right before he before he got on that plane for that Nike event um in Washington or where I think yeah, it was in Washington um you know that thing was happening, and then all of a sudden it wasn't, which is, you know, that's typical for a lot of these international kids. Um, you know, a lot of times it, there's somebody involved in the process, and boom. Um, I think Ron's experience with the international kids helps because it's very similar 
to NIL, right? You, you've, you've put in years, months, years, whatever, into recruitments now, and one school can come in and change things, and you've got to be able to pick up and move on pretty quickly. That's the way a lot of those international kids are. You, have, you feel like you've got a really good amount of traction with a kid, and then another school, because somebody else got in their ear, and boom, they're, they're moving in a different direction. So I think his, his international connections, um, you know, he was an assistant on the Dominican Republican national team, um, you know, in the past, uh, you know, his, his experience playing, you know, in New York and stuff. I just think that a lot of what he brings to the table is really interesting. If you look at what he did at Charlotte, granted, you know, they didn't have a, a significant level of success or anything, but he had, you know, he was doing a pretty good job of recruiting, uh, in that conference and certainly, you know, developing some younger guys, um, and they you know, improved. I mean, they, they did were much better. I think it the thing to kind of a dumpster fire. Yeah. Good point. Um, I think to Ferber's point just a minute ago, like trying to understand it from his point of view. I mean, I don't know dollar for dollar what he was making at Charlotte, but I think that there might be a chance that this opportunity to basically come home, work in a place where, you know, he can recruit a higher caliber of player where he can do a lot of the things that he might miss doing, being around people he misses being around and doing it, you know, potentially being compensated even higher level. I wouldn't be surprised if the associate head coach at UVA in this day and age makes more money than the head coach of Charlotte. I just would, I mean, he was making just over 500,000. So, I mean, that's not, you know, that doesn't, I would guess he's getting a pay raise. Yeah. So, you know, there's that piece of it. We also have seen this a lot on the, on the football side, right? We've seen guys who were, you know, coaches, step you know take a job at, a, at another school to be you know an analyst right we've seen guys who are <clears throat> assistant coaches and do that and you know we've seen a handful of dudes take different types of jobs as head coaches I think the thing about Ron is is that um, his level of experience paired with sort of his his time um, with the Bennett family and knowing everybody I, I think that he's still a young guy even though he's got a significant you know, amount of experience. And so that he has those five years as the big whistle, I think it's a really interesting um, shift at a time when we've talked right about, you know, UVA and the recruiting and like the model and, you know, here's NIL. What does it mean to bring in another young guy who has that sort of, um, you know, that sort of pedigree and has that sort of experience level. I, I just think is a, it's an interesting uh, development considering sort of where Virginia is right now in this day and time. Um, now from a recruiting standpoint, you know, that he has been a head coach is, is only going to mean, but so much when it comes to the actual kids and their reactions to him, um, that he has that experience though, will matter to a lot of the people around those kids. And certainly with the, the level of, uh, connections he's made, um, you know, with different AU coaches, it's a little bit different when you're the head coach than when you're the assistant. So now he's probably, he's got a much, I would imagine he's got a larger network, so to speak of, of, of folks he can reach out to when it comes to evals, when it comes to um, understanding who's who uh, in different recruitments and that kind of thing. Um, and I'll also be fascinated just because, you know, from the basketball side of it, right? Like a lot has changed in the last five years. Um, you know, Tony might be the same. The pack line's the same. Offense has been different. Um, you know, you had the whole Kihei Clark era that he missed out on. Um, I just think it's a really interesting twist. I feel bad though, to be honest, I feel bad for the guys he's leaving in Charlotte because I'm not sure what they're going to do. Has anybody heard, seen any rumblings about what happens there? Like for their next head, no head coach? I mean, I don't think, I think they're going to go outside. 
I mean, they, I figure, I feel like they have to. I don't think they have yeah. anybody, you know, sort of on staff. That there's some people like clamoring for their old coach to come back. Um, oh, really? Was it Brad, Brad Lutz or whatever? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, Justin Gainey was another name I saw thrown around. Yeah, ACC mm. legend. Yeah, but you know, Charlotte makes a move to the AAC next year, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, a thing to me. Like, I, I kind of feel like they might. This is nothing to do with Ron, but like yeah. that program might be a little in over its head in the AAC, yeah. um, from like a budgeting recruiting standpoint. They were, I mean, like when I was growing up, they were like a good mid-major, not like great, but they could make a tournament. You know, they weren't bad, and it feels like they kind of really fell off, and he kind of got them back up to like respectable. Um, but I don't think they had a roster to be very good in the AAC. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Like, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on why Ron made the decision he did, but um, you know, for UVA, it's a it's a great. Thing, whatever yeah, the reason yeah, they, it was, they, it worked out they for reap the benefits, as um, John Levitt said in The Wedding Singer. And yeah, there's a myriad of reasons he could have made the decision he did. Um, what it could be NIL related, NIL related itself, you know, program like that. If you if you develop identify a guy and he comes in and shows out, like you know, Andrew Rohde, for example, <laughs> where is he going to be next year? Probably not playing for you. Um, and it's tough. And look, I'm not trying to say it's a well, there could be something going on with like you know Tony may say, "Hey, well, I want it. This is gonna. <laughs> you guys yeah, might be bad for bringing it up. Don't do it, Dave. Maybe Tony's thinking about you know. <laughs> don't do five it, Dave. Down the road and succession planning. Yeah, yeah, succession. Um, Who's the eldest boy? <laughs> yeah, I don't. know. Is it Williford now? I guess. I guess. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. But no, I think you know with with the and then you've got the two extra positions that come available Ju- July first, I believe it is. Um, so UVA's got a chance to kind of drastically change the uh, change the bench next to Tony, and you know, look, it's a tough job those coaches have. So Tony's got a guy he likes, and you know, hasn't been around for a few years. Might light a fire under him, and you know, I'm guessing Isaiah or Johnny going to get one of the two other spots, if not both of them. Um, so, I yeah, would I mean, be surprised. I, I think it's an like I don't want to poo poo on Kyle Getter because I think he did some good things, but. I don't know that Virginia took a step backwards after he left. No, I think, listen, I know, and look, I, I think Kyle's a great dude, and I think he's a hell of a coach. And I mean, I, he got that job because Sanchez left to be a head coach. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, well, he got, well, he got that job in part because of that. But yeah, I, I was going to say, that, did I mess up the timing on that? No, it, no, he the got Soderberg, the job because right? Soderbergh decided to step back from okay, being the on court guy. That was but, later. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that I, I would be surprised. Well, wait. First, to Dave's point, just a second ago, um, I, I I got I have no in, no shade intended at Kyle, but if you have a choice between the two of them, I think you take Ron Sanchez, especially considering the experience that he's had um, as a head coach. Now, in terms of the everything changing on July first, I'll be really interested to see how this plays out because, and correct me if I'm wrong here, they get two more spots, right? Um, as yes, of July first, they just can't I, recruit off campus. I would be shocked if one of those two spots doesn't go to Vic, um, Vic Surfer, the um, assistant coach, yeah. who was two years at Liberty before that was at UVA, went with Ron to to Charlotte. I would be really surprised if he doesn't land back in Charlottesville. Um, you know, um, I just I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm wish casting here because I think Vic's a really cool uh, guy and and has always been. Um, 
you know, somebody who seemed like a young up and coming coach. Um, and I'm certainly, you know, without knowing what's going to happen in Charlotte, maybe they're going to, um, you know, promote um, Aaron Fern uh, or Fern. I don't know how you say his last name, but I know from just kind of doing my research on him that he was their associate head coach and he was somebody who had some intense connections to um, Australia, New Zealand, um, league down there and everything. Um, but Vic's the guy I probably feel the most for in this situation. Um, now, how you make it all work, I'm not real sure, but it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some moving and shaking going on in terms of sort of the um, the way that the the support staff looks going into next season. Not that necessarily I think any other coaches are leaving, but I could be. I wouldn't be surprised if Soderberg decided, you know what, I'm going to um, take a, even more, you know, another step back, or maybe you know Tony decides to make some other changes or something. Um, but I do. Th- I find this extremely fascinating that at a time, you know, and we talked about when we were talking about that athletic article, right? That a time at a time when you know Tony is is kind of rallying the troops and um, you know kind of battening down the hatches, so to speak, that he brings Ron back. I mean, it kind of fits, right? Um, you know, they're they're really doubling down on the Virginia thing, and they're you know, they're, they're, you know, next thing you know, you're going to tell me that uh, Richie McKay is coming back. Um, <laughs> but you know, at, at the end of the day, like Ron is a is a great coach, he's a great recruiter. Um, certainly there will be a lot of questions that, that I'm sure he will get asked once he gets back on grounds and once there's any sort of um, opportunity for him to you know talk to members of the media. I'm sure that he will be highly requested uh, for Eric Bacher and staff uh, in terms of setting up some interviews. But yeah, I mean, it's a the whole development, you know, like I said, we'd heard names and it actually was sort of weird that they hadn't announced anything, especially once they got through the live periods and everything. Um, and it just sort of lingered out there. Matter of fact, like right now, like the the website still hasn't been updated. Um, so the whole thing is just it's just very intriguing to me. Um, I mean, it might we'll be the weirdest coaching hire we've had ever. Oh, I think it is. I think it absolutely is because there was a whole part of this right where everybody knew Kyle had left. Right, everybody knew Kyle, and had it left. took a while, Virginia a while to even like address. You know, well, he, and Notre Dame never announced it. It took it took them a long time to even announce it. Yeah. You know, it was like, I think he was on the road recruiting for them for like two weeks. And they still yeah, hadn't I mean, announced it. I mean, and obviously, like, obviously this isn't a situation where like they were like waiting to announce it. It seems like it probably came together pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> the only, unless was there was dumb. some sort of weird like June 1st thing where they were like after June 1st, we can announce it. But it was, well, they, they, they kept it super quiet. Um, there had to be some buyout component, right? Because uh, I would think so. And maybe, he was under contract. You can't just yeah. quit. Yeah. So I mean, but can. yeah, the timing. I can't remember who who tweeted that Ron Sanchez had stepped down, but like that tweet came out, and then like two minutes later, Virginia posted the Tony Bennett handshake tweet, you know, GIF, and then what? Thirty minutes later, they announced Less. he was hired. Less. I mean, and it was wild. Insane. Is it both? Well, it was funny too because Brad, who you're talking about, like, what if those tweets were unrelated? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like what? If, I mean, and what honestly, if Ron stepped down to go, and the way Tony runs it, unrelated is probably more likely than it being what it was. Mm-hmm. Unrelated. They, if they you don't had, normally listen, do stuff like that. In the moment, if you had unrelated, you know, whatever, the, what would the what would the odds have been? Like even, yeah, right? Even. It would, yeah. You know, this is like the idea that like that was going to be one to one. Yeah, but no, <laughs> I <laughs> I still think it would re- really been funny if uh, you know. Um, 
they hadn't been related, you know, and Ron was like leaving to go, uh, you know, be on some NBA staff or whatever. Right. But like, yeah, just the idea that those two things could happen so close together and then not be related was just hysterical to I, me. I think from a buyout perspective, they might have worked something out. Um, because like if you're Charlotte and you're like, well, he might get let go after this year and we'd have to pay him a buyout. Um, maybe you're okay with like waving some of that and just, you know, letting and, and it go. And for all we know, you know, Ron gave lower. him, you know, for all we know, Ron gave him all of it, right? Because he's going to get another job. What you know what I mean? Like I, I know for a lot of coaches that sort of double dipping is a real thing. But that might have been what because like they used they used the exact same picture on the story for both schools. Yeah. <laughs> like this was one of the most like animosity, um, and like like least and what's the word? I don't know how to just, I don't know how to conjugate. Animus. Yeah. There was just like there was no ill will either way. Like nobody seemed salty at all that this was happening. Everybody's like, oh, that's great. You know, congrats to him. You know, it was like a, you know, and, and to Ferber's point, like, you know, did, if you look at sort of the way things had gone for Charlotte, you know, kind of where things were headed for them, is Ron the coach in three, four years? Probably not. Right. Like that's a different animal, right. To try to build, like you really need to hit, especially in this day and age, you really got to hit some home runs and they had done a nice job recruiting. They'd done a nice job developing some guys. Um, but, you know, from their standpoint, maybe they're thinking, okay, this is an opportunity for us, and everybody wins, right? He Ron gets to be where he wants to be. The money piece gets worked out. You know, they're able to sort of start fresh at a time when they don't have to pay out a bunch of money that, you know, admittedly for an athletic department yeah. that is not swimming in, you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes a lot of sense and for them. And they just bought out the football coach. Right. So. And, and, you know, if, if they fire him, they got to pay him anyway. So now this way they're, you know, they're able, the timing is just weird. Like June is a really weird time to have an opening. Um, but it does make sense. You know, if you're thinking about, if you've been thinking about leaving and you've been looking at the bigger picture and, you know, I just, I, 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 I'd really, at some point I got to figure out or find out, or maybe we'll hear sort of how, like, where did the first conversation happen? Right. Did somebody close to Ron talk to somebody who was close to Tony and said, you know, whatever, and then put them in, t- in contact. Like, how did how did this sort of, what was the impetus of this? Because I'm really curious in terms of how it all sort of played out. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a great podcast. We should really find that out. We should, um, we, should bring, we should bring Ron on the podcast and have him just tell us all the TikTok of it all. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing, kind of an aside, but, you know, we, we always complain that UVA doesn't have like the, you know, the donor, you know, the check checkbooks of some of these bigger schools when it comes to athletics. But when it comes to like basketball staff salary, Jenny's fine. You know, we got an endowed scout, endowed um, salary for Tony Bennett, who often turns down raises to take care of his staff. And then, look, Ron didn't take a significant pay cut to come here. He, if anything, you know, he might have gotten a raise to come back. We know, we know the other guys are taken care of. So I think. You know, that's a feather in Virginia's cap, and it'll be interesting to see. I guess at some point we'll see what his contract is. And, um, yeah, I've had several people, and we've seen it on Twitter, like, you know, is it, isn't Williford the associate head coach? But um, it's not like the vice president of the United States or something. Like, you can have multiple people in the <laughs> yeah, same it's just, role. Yeah, it's, right? t- it's a title for money. Yes, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – and there's some, you know, we've kind of addressed it already, but, you know, July, July 1st when the new positions come around – um, that'll be interesting to see what kind of where Tony wants to head with this overall staff. 
And then, you know, we also have a lot of schools hiring this like GM, you know, this personnel director person. Um, And I wouldn't be shocked to see someone like Soderbergh step off the coaching thing and take a position like that. Or maybe you go get Vic for a position like that. Well, and that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, too, is that there's a lot of flexibility because, you know, it used to be your staff was your assistant coaches, your director of ops, maybe a video person or two um, and, and a strength coach. Right. Then they added scouting. Then they've got like some sort of like operations related to recruiting or something like that. Like you might have like a video person. uh, And when I say video there, I don't necessarily mean like folks who run your video shop for the university. What I mean really is like somebody who's like in charge of like the um, the video that you take of practice. Right. So there's like there's like a video um, guy who like is a scout. Right, who who actually is chopping up your your clips and things of that nature, and then sometimes there's like a video person whose job is to like record practice and and chop that kind of stuff up. They're usually also sometimes related to like the people who capture the information like during practices for like load management and things of that nature. So there's lots of different um, sort of hats, right? Um, lots of different possibilities for positions and that kind of thing. Um, you know, on Virginia's current staff, you know they've got the assistant coaches. They had Soderberg as the director of scouting. They had Larry as the director of development. Then I think Johnny was personnel, um, and then Zay was the grad assistant. Um, but they've got like a operations assistant. They've got Ronnie as the uh, um, kind of director of ops. Um, Dobo. You know, so it's – I mean, I, I could totally see a scenario where they, they add on to this group in a significant way because this is one of the answers for them in terms of like what's next, right? Which is like more opportunities to make relationships more, you know, like this could be a way for the, for the, for the, for the department to invest in basketball for the basketball program to invest in itself. And I think to really play to some of their strengths, right? You're going to have guys who can recruit and leave, you know, like go, you know, leave, leave campus and, and whatnot. Then you can have guys who can be coaches who can be on the court in a more active role, but aren't leaving. Right. And I think it's just going to mean that the staff ends up being a little bit larger. And I would, in that scenario, could totally see Johnny and Zay and Vic all being around. I mean, they're all come essentially from the same tree. Um, you know, it's just a question of what branch they're on. Yeah. Hey, can I pose an interesting, interesting question to you guys? Sure, go Just ahead. to buy a couple minutes of podcast time before we get to baseball. Um, let's say there's this mythical expansion draft for coaches, right? Like coaching or staff. Good Lord, and Dave. There's a new team coming in the Power Five, and they get to pick. You know, you get to protect a coach, protect a staff member, or whatever. Good Lord, Dave. So, they, you know, if, if you, so Tony Bennett's not available. Anyone – directly associated with basketball who was a one yeah who'd be your number one person you protect on the virginia staff as a whole not just coach like but auxiliary staff everything so the so you're asking me who's the who's the staff mvp right who's the yeah kind of like you know who's the guy you think virginia would i mean a a part of me says mike curtis right yeah because yeah, that's probably that's the answer (laughs) i mean you know but i will say some props because he doesn't get enough and this is, listen, anybody, anybody who's associated with the program, please don't assume this is shaded anybody. I also no. think Tony might think seriously about protecting Ronnie Weidman because I feel like Ronnie makes the whole thing work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, for, and, and, and Tony, um, I, I think is an incredible dude, but I think he likes his program run a certain way. Um, 
And so I think he might, you know, whether it was Mike Curtis or, or Ronnie. I, so, I mean, I, I think it sounds kind of funny to say, like, he, he, it wouldn't be one of your actual assistant coaches. Um, what I find really interesting about that question, though, Dave, is that, like, back in the day, you know, if you ever talk to Ron, he only – he would never, ever let – like, if, even if it was, like, some kid that you knew for a fact Ron was, like, doing a lot of heavy lifting on, Right. If you if you talk to him, like I remember talking to him in the locker room um, during the tournaments at one point. I don't know if it was ACC or whatever. And I was trying to essentially say, like, I know you're into, you know, you're intricately involved, right? You're integral in, in the recruiting operation. He's like, Tony Bennett is a great recruit. I mean, he just would never let you focus the attention on him. He only wanted to talk about Tony. And and I thought, like, this is a guy who gets it because, you know, he doesn't care one iota about his own star, right? He only wanted the the attention to go uh, on the head man. And so I, I, I think in that scenario, yeah, yeah you, you know, Tony's going to be looking uh, at a variety of things, but it might not necessarily just be just the, you know, the nuts and bolts of the recruiting or the basketball that might lead to those decisions. You have um, to have a pain sponge, you know? <laughs> Got to have a pain sponge. Got to have a love sponge. All right, uh, let's change gears for the last part of the podcast, talk baseball, um, aside from um, the ECU flip-flopper guy. Um, they wear flip-flops, right? They are like straight-up flip-flops, right? Yeah, sandals, whatever. And his, weird, and his weird Omaha bucket hat that Ferber just sent us a text of a picture of mm-hmm. a while ago. Um, so, uh, obviously, a, a big series this weekend, um, you know, Super Regionals, the last chance for, for UVA fans to see the Wahoos at home. Um Listen, I, I find this whole entire scenario fascinating because ever since that Duke series in April, it feels like Virginia just hit a different gear. Um, Cavaliers playing some really, really good baseball. Um, and I think you can point – I don't want to say you can point directly to it, um, but it certainly feels in a lot of ways like they, they came out of that series and were sort of – they made a decision, if that makes any sense, right? Um, Ferbert, you wrote a – I uh, preview piece, so I, I don't want you to have to, you know, go through everything. We'll 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 obviously send folks to the website for that. Um, but what's your biggest concern with Duke coming into town for a best two out of three? What's your where where are your worries about this Blue Devil team? Is it the long ball? Yeah, I mean they can hit. That's that's it. I mean, I actually went to one of the games when they played Duke, the one they won um, in April, and. UVA got the better of them in that game, but I mean, Duke's got some dudes that can hit. They got big guys. They got a lot of power in the lineup. They're, they're just a much improved program over the last, I don't know, half decade or so. And, um, you know, they got a dude hitting three home runs in one game on a torn ACL. (laughs) Um, you know, that's crazy, but yeah, they've, they've got some guys at the plate for sure. Um, you know, their pitching is a little bit, more up and down i mean they have some guys that can throw um for sure especially out of the they have some good bullpen arms um but you know it's a little bit more maybe susceptible um than the hitting but i mean they average like eight runs a game it's kind of like i mean and i kind of felt like this when uva played ecu but it's almost like looking in a mirror in some ways you know you have like teams that are just um doubles and you know like home run type team big like bats up and down the lineup, you know, not just like one or two guys that can hurt you. Um, so Duke's kind of similar to UVA in a lot of ways, I think. Um, so yeah, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a great series and 
honestly for UVA, I think like it'll come down to pitching because, you know, I think what got them through the regional as good as their offense was, is the pitching because they, you know, they have what five runs in the whole weekend. Um, yeah. and they were really, really good when they needed it late in games. Like, um, ECU had, you know, a bases loaded situation. I think they were down four, um, before Teal's home run made it five and, you know, got out of that. They got out of a few other jams. They got out of some jams on uh, Saturday night too. And, you know, we're able to kind of do that. And ECU is really good too, I think. So, um, you know, I think UVA deserves a lot of credit for getting to where they are. And um, Duke kind of had to win their regional the hard way, having to play again on Monday, but I'm sure it's going to be a pretty good series. Yeah, the 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 Monday piece of this is 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 somewhat interesting, and at least in terms of the way the pitching sets up. But I guess that's still enough time to really kind of reset yeah. things. And, and they and threw kind of like nobody, like none of their starters threw more than like a few innings. Uh, it was weird. Like even like Monday, the starter threw like two innings of scoreless baseball or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was sort of a bullpen game for them. Um, but yeah, even the starter, like their main starter, um he pitched on Saturday against Ryder, I think. And he only threw like four innings. Yeah. The David in Ferber's preview, he quotes, it says, you know, Duke's hit 107 home runs on the season for comparison's sake. UVA having perhaps one of its best offensive seasons ever has only hit 76. Um, I mean, that's a 107 is a hell of a number. Um, and so you have to wonder, you know, what's it going to take for UVA? It certainly feels like Cavaliers are going to have to, not only pitching needs to be sound, but you really did get the sense that, there's a real chance that even if this if the pitching's good, you know Duke's going to make you pay. You know you hang you hang a, a breaking ball in the wrong spot, right? Um, Cavaliers going to have to score some runs. That's at least my my general sense. What's what's your what's your your feeling on what what Virginia has to do um, in order to to get back to Omaha? I mean, it's somewhat of a disadvantage to Virginia, I think, to get us to get a school that knows them um, in a super regional. They're not, you know, it's not going to be a normal UVA crowd when Duke comes to town. Um, although the noon, the noon game starts advantage Duke versus, you know, prime time. Not but, only did they play each other, they played in Davenport, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. So I'm saying like, so it's Duke's park. been to Davenport before. It's going to be a slightly different Davenport than they saw, but it's still not going to be like, it's still not going to be like shocking a little bit during the coastal Duke game and our big group thread, like, do, do we really want to pull for the underdog here or do we want to have yeah. coastal because Virginia hasn't lost to an ACC team, but look, I mean, I think the way Virginia beats Duke is just eh, not to oversimplify it. It's they're going to hit the ball They're You, you want to keep, you want to make them earn their, earn their runs. So if they hit a home run. Great. But you, you don't want to have two guys on base because you, you booted a ball or you walked a guy before right. the home run. So right. you just gotta, you gotta get the guys out who don't hit it out of the park. Um, Keep the bases clean as much as you can, and I th- also think you need to put pressure on Duke. Um, like hitting a home run when you're leading is one thing; when there's no pressure on you, is one. But when you're trying to hit home runs, it doesn't happen quite as easy. So, um, I know guys don't. I mean, a lot of fans don't like it, but I kind of like what what O'Connor did, even though it didn't work out. Like the bunt, just yeah. The I thought it was. I thought pressure. it made perfect sense. I didn't really see the. I mean, it's easy yeah. to second guess it after the fact, but yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, baseball is a game which, as you know, is so ripe with with second guessing because you have so much time before the next action happens. Um, but yeah, I think putting pressure on Duke, putting you know, you don't want to bunt Jake Geloff, but you know, putting pressure on them the whole game, whether it's whether it's bunting, whether it's stealing bases, 
um, and just doing your thing offensively. And then just the pitchers, you know, doing a good job, not giving up free bases. Yeah. You know, Duke's going to score. Um, but, a, you know, a one run home run is better than a two. And, yeah. I also, and, and that's like, what baseball is, you know, true. that's really what it is. True. I feel like one thing, too, is that um, there were times against ECU where I felt like maybe the approach of the plate was a little bit off in the sense of like, um, you know, they were they were really attacking at times when it made sense. And then it, at other times they were attacking pitchers that I thought maybe make them throw some pitches. You know, there was that uh, the um, the guy's name escapes me, but there was that one dude who's like throwing like literally like two pitches um, to a batter and, you know. There, he he was already, uh, you know, probably on a pitch count anyway, and they really didn't. They once they they kind of like let him, you know, made him work a little bit, and then you know they were able to sort of get to him. I, I feel like maybe in this game, the best thing UVA can do at the plate is just is be aggressive, right? Um, you know, not sit back and wait. Um, you know, Duke's pitching staff, like Ferber mentioned, is kind of up and down, and it does seem like a scenario where you know Virginia's going to have to score some runs, regardless of how perfect, you know or how, you know, what the quality uh, innings are like, you know, like today's point, like, you know, one of the reasons things got a little bit weird there for a minute um, the other night is because, you know, they they had a couple, you know, misplays in the field, right? Error here, um, you know, uh, an infield single there. Next thing you know, you know, the whole thing is different. This is a, this, this is something you just can't do against a team that, that lives by the home run. Um, because like I said, they're they're gonna have their chances. They're gonna have their cuts. I I think Dave's point about the the crowd is really um, uh, astute too. Because like Duke is not gonna be rattled. But I mean, even I know Davenport. Um, you know, the dish is a very different animal come postseason baseball. I mean, I I understand sellout and all that kind of stuff. But Duke has played there. Like none of this is gonna seem new to them in the way it would have been if it was like insert name of team of team here, right? Um, this is something they literally just did. They made the same trip. They probably stayed in the same place. They, you know, they're going to be on the same field. They're going to be in the same dugout. All that stuff. The crowd piece of it is not going to matter as much. Plus, it's you know, it's an it's a a noon game, so that that changes the calculus too. Um, so I think Virginia's got to be aggressive, um, and I'm really curious to see how Oak handles that, um, both at the plate and then you know in terms of using his arms. Um, I thought the decision to let Wolfuck throw literally. <laughs> one pitch was very interesting the other day. Um, but you, you get the sense that like Virginia's pitching staff, you know, I forget, I think it was Ferber who said earlier, it's like they, they just kept, kept coming through in the big moments. Um, and that's not to say that you shouldn't expect that from them, but you also should be mindful that that's very real chance that in a couple of those moments, at least in this series, that might not be the case, you know? And like I said, Duke, Duke loves the long ball, man. And um, you're going to have to make sure that they don't get anything extra whenever those opportunities do arise. Um, yeah, and Saturday night, I can tell you, like, in the ballpark, the wind was blowing in hard. Like, there were a lot of balls hit hard that went straight to outfielders because, you know, the wind was just blowing right in their face, basically. And it's not usually like that. It's just they had those storms coming in from the north. Right. And so it just – it was sort of just odd weather. Um, yeah. And I think you would have had way more runs than three total in that game if – you know, the wind was doing what it normally does or doing nothing at all. Now, this is a random thing to end on, but I, I, I just thought of it because of the, the sort of time frame. But I don't believe the weather um, forecast, or at least, you know, uh, the expectation is that this 
Canadian wildfire is going to move out of the area completely by then. Uh, I know tomorrow is expected to be pretty rough again. Um, noon first pitch for a game like that. I'm not saying that this is going to be like a you know a you know game changer or whatever, but it does feel like it could be. It, it could it could complicate things a little bit in the sense of like, I mean, anybody with any allergies been outside in the last you know 24 hours in Central Virginia? It, it's rough, man. Um, that haze is no joke. Um, it might not be as, you know, uh, you know, not might, might not look like the apocalypse like it does in New York city. But you know, if, if the sun had been out later in the day today, it might have. Um, so I'm not sure what the next couple of days are going to bring, um, from the wildfire. Um, but it just feels like at least worth mentioning that there is at least some environmental factors. This otherwise it doesn't look like, you know, rain for the weekend. Um, you know, if it, it, you know, depending on sort of when the game would be potentially on Sunday, you know, maybe you have to wait and see um, just because it does look like there's some rain moving through Monday. But, um, yeah, it would be really weird to be sort of telling everybody and their brother, right, stay inside, don't go out, and then middle of the day, oh, yeah, there's a, you know, a baseball game happening. Um, just seems like a, a really weird situation. I mean, but then again, like everything happening with this Canadian wildfire stuff is is weird and just feels odd hopefully Ferber I know you're somebody who struggles with the allergies um well I guess you both you, you both do to me a, too today was much better than yesterday though oh good at least I'm glad here yeah, at least yeah here. I mean up here it's been like a little hazy but nothing too bad okay like, well, so good. far yesterday well, was kind of hazy but today was not bad at all really so well as long as the temperatures stay you know within reason um you know it, it shouldn't be you know hopefully it won't be too bad you know 70s um you know, mid seventies or whatever on Friday. Hopefully that's not, uh, you know, it's not the weather and all that stuff doesn't end up. I was, I was trying to find the stat. Someone, I don't know if someone tweeted or is on a message board somewhere. Um, just to kind of help UVA fans. If Virginia does stumble Friday, I believe Virginia has like lost a majority of their first games in the super regionals they've hosted, but one an overwhelming majority of the series. I think it's, God, how many super is this? The eighth UC super Irvine, regional? they definitely lost the first. I think game. they're like two and six in the first game and six and two overall in the series. Um, yeah. it's some crazy contrast. I'm trying well, to well, UVA, it, but... a lot of UVA's best teams have been really good pitching teams, so it kind of makes sense that like they could overcome it because they're so deep. And honestly, yeah. like if you look at how the three guys pitched this weekend, if they go out and do that again this weekend, I think UVA is going to Omaha. Um, just because they were all three of them were good. Um, and Parker was really good in the first time, like when they played Duke um, on that first series that they played in April. So, and, and early was awesome on Sunday. I thought he had, I think what, 10 strikeouts. So he was really good. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, it's a three game series. I mean, you don't want to fall behind, but like you're at home, you can, you can overcome a first game loss. If, if it comes to that, you can't overcome two though. That, yeah, yeah unfortunately, it's hard to overcome. Once that. you lose two, you're you're in a really tough spot. Yeah, you're, it's really yeah. going to be hard to get to Omaha by then. All right, well, we will see how it all plays out this weekend. Um, and uh, you know, hey, did you want to touch on Zion before we get out of here? No, we really don't. If you're somebody <laughs> who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is they get your programs. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we'd appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. As I mentioned, um, Ferber had a nice kind of preview 
He did a three, two, one on what Beekman's return means. Obviously, lots of football recruiting stuff going on. So definitely give us a look at the website. I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously. Their time, as always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.